You are listening to KCOU Columbia, 88.1 FM. Hello and welcome to On Deck Circle on KCOU 88.1 FM. I'm Michael Levitt alongside Adam Rosen, and we have plenty to talk about. Now, Adam, this is the first week that there are no games to recap. So it's getting close to hot stove season. But before the offseason starts, manager spots have to be filled to let players know what to expect from the atmosphere, from that team. And there are now no manager openings across the league since Alex Cora was named the new, new in quotes, (laughs) Red Sox manager as it's his second stint with the team. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, it's definitely not a shocker. I think everyone was, because he didn't get a lifetime ban, like some people were actually expecting, and I personally was expecting, I was expecting a massive punishment. And really he didn't get like that massive punishment most people expected. He got, I kind of felt like a slap on the wrist, but he only got a year, which is fine. But... To me, I just think it's an int- I, it's not shocking. I, I think everybody is quite was quite certain that was going to ha- that he would be the guy who's coming back to you know manage this team. I mean, he did he did a great job. He was a fantastic manager in his first year, when he was there in his first year, and they went a hundred and eight wins. They won the World Series, and we had all those we had a, there was a scandal. There was a scandal. With sign stealing, uh, especially because he came from a, the Astros, who had the big, big scandal there. But it's not. I, I think it was a clear cut. They were going. Everyone knew he was going to be back there, and if if any if no one else hired him, he was going back to Houston, um, to Boston because the I, I'm pretty sure players wanted him back. The players who are still there, who who went under him, they wanted him back because he is a. He he can get along with his players very well. I'm and he seemed like he did while he was there, and it just, he, I think it's a. Gr- I would say it is a great hire if he has mo- if he's able to prove that he's moved on from what happened. I would agree. Yeah, I think he's. I think hiring him back, is a good move for the team. Yeah, if he can move past that. I mean, they they said Ron Ronicky wasn't going to return, who actually was Cora's bench coach prior to the suspension and then became the manager after he left and I mean I think so so reportedly the Red Sox players were were not they weren't happy when Cora left and I mean these guys included Bogarts Eduardo Rodriguez JD Martinez Rafael Devers I mean most most of the the best players on the team they're they're main they're main guys yeah yeah and I think he definitely he did show that he could be a good manager. Now, yeah, you might question how much of that was because of the sign stealing, but because there wasn't much of a punishment, you would think it wasn't too bad, at least compared to the Astros. Um, so I think he's... I mean, he was involved with that too, obviously. So that's, I mean, another um, red mark on his, uh, on his uh, resume. But, I mean, it's still... I mean, it's still it's it's still not it's not something. It might be something you have to worry about a little bit in the future. But I think 
his his ability to to manage is more why they brought him back. I think I think he definitely he changed the um the, the dynamic of the team too. Ha 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 ha! I see what you did there. It's a it's a red mark. I'm sorry. I like pun. I, I hate puns, and I also love them at the same time. But yeah, sure. It was it was an I I'm ha, ugh, wait. Chaim Bloom was wanted. I pretty. It felt like it was guaranteed. I'm I'm fairly sure. I think I saw stories. They were going. They already they visited him. They did visit him, and they, yeah. and I believe the details were just announced as a two-year deal, and then an option for another two years. And here's the thing: again, we talked about it, the cheating scandal. Yeah, but Cora was Cora one of the big culprits in that when he was with Houston? I believe yes, according to the reports and details about that. Yes, he was. But when you had, but Cora was again a a, a fan players play like a players manager. People lo- they loved him. He he could connect with his players. He did a great again. He did a great job. I mean, Mookie Betts was amazing. I mean, he is amazing. He's a top two player. He's the second best player in baseball to me. I don't even. I'm pretty sure most people would say that I as would well. Agree, yeah. And he helped. I mean, not that Mookie was didn't needed outscore, but he won an MVP under Cora. He won a World Series under Cora. And did they struggle his second year? Yes. But I'm, I believe there was a lot of. I think there was a lot of injuries on that team. Chris Sale struggled a little, but the Red Sox. They're in an interesting position. They've got a lot of, a couple big contracts, and they have some decent, a little bit of, but they also have some, a lot of those big contracts are with great pieces. With a, a Chris Sale who is coming back, who should be back next year. I don't know what the timeline with him. I believe it was Tom, was it Tommy John? Or am I thinking of Syndergaard and Verlander? Uh, I know Syndergaard was Tommy John. I believe Verlander was too. Sale might have been Yes, Chris to, Sale was Tommy John. Tommy John, okay. So, I don't know when his what his time timetable is, but it, it's because it was like I pretty they announced it. He hit actually he started throwing a, the for, for the first time uh, two about two months ago. So it he yeah the interesting part is we don't know when it happened because it was right during the beginning of the pandemic. So there's a lot of stuff there, but I yeah. They're going to be. I think it's an interesting. I don't know if they're. If there's an 18 playoff, I could see them competing in the that division. I don't think they're going to win it because you've got two teams that are well ahead of them in the the Rays and Yankees, and then they have the Blue Jays who are interesting. Uh, Blue Jays to me, yeah, I like the. I really do like the Red Sox for what they've got, especially with bringing the quarterback. Who I think again, he's a good manager, but for me, I don't know how this is going to make. I don't know if this is going to push them over anyone because, to me, I honestly think the Blue Jays are. Up really good because if if Vladimir if Vladdy Jr. can tone it tone up tone tone it tone himself up a little bit because he's his body type is he he wants to move back to third I'm pretty sure they want him back at first at first permanently the especially with, since he isn't good defensively yeah and especially because his weight I mean he he seems like he's lost a lot of weight uh, photos he posted on Instagram he's lost weight but he's still a big guy I mean to me I think if he could get to like a prime Albert Pujols body type weight. Not he doesn't have to be as good as him because no, almost never. No, that'll never happen again. Maybe, but if he can get to a, that type of body, like a body type where he, what was it? Pujols during his prime. I'd have to look at his um his measurements. But Vladimir Guerrero, I mean, if he can get to that, he'd be he could be a lot more athletic. Make some better plays at first, but more so than that, 
create more power and contact. That's something he has to do because right now it feels like he is with Pujols. It look, if to me, Pujols, he feels like he's at the same weight as Pujols now, or definitely maybe a little. It looks like they have a similar body type right now. I believe uh, Vladdy Jr. is actually shorter. I can see him sort of being to the Blue Jays what Edwin Encarnacion used to be to them, where he's a first base DH type guy, could fill in at third if they need him to, but I, I and really good offensively and. It's his bat that's going to keep him in the lineup anyway. It's not going to be his fielding, much like Encarnacion was. And I think that's I think that's a good comparison for him, aside from the late bloomer type, aside from the late bloomer status of Encarnacion, because Guerrero was so hyped up at a young age. I think that was... I think he he does have a good future if he can... His fielding's not necessarily the issue. I think that what position he is is more going to define where he is because first base is obviously a lot. First base is more... You, it's more power. More, it's more yeah, offensive. You need more, you need, it's more of an offensive position than third base is or DH. I mean, it's an, or DH is too, actually, but it's not... Um, he, he provides more value at first base because his defense detracts from his value at third base. At least at this point. Yeah, to me, the thing with uh, Vladdy Jr. is if he he, he has for he could become that Encarnacion like where, like in terms of what he does, but he has to be better than Encarnacion. He was the top, I believe he was the top prospect in baseball. He got so much hype because people were talking about he's got to be better. He's going to be better than his own father, and we know how great Vladimir Guerrero was. He was a fantastic player, but Vladdy Jr. I mean, Vladdy Jr.'s been. I don't want to say a disappointment, but like it feels like he hasn't done. Maybe, maybe people have set way too high of expectations for him because people are expecting him to be like his his father, and his father was incre- again was an incredible, incredible player. And just when you set that high of expectations, it can get to you. I would say. Yeah, and I think that might. That might be affecting him some, and I think he's. I think he would have lower expect if he had lower expectations. He might ha- actually be better because the bar isn't set so high. Especially, yeah, because when you're setting his bar, saying he's going to be better than his dad, who's a Hall of Famer, that's a little unfair to do that to a guy, a, a, a kid who can't be much older than me. I mean. Yeah, he's 21. He'll be 22 in March. He's barely older than He's about a year and a half older than myself. So you, when you're setting a guy th- uh, an expectations for him, it's it's a little unfair to me. But I, I think he's going to be great. He's just got to get – he's just got to work on himself a little. Is, uh, some things about him. He's not been particularly bad. It's just he hasn't been what everyone expects so far but again he has plenty of time to make up he's only 20 he'll be 22 at the start of next year yeah and I think he he wasn't necessarily known for his defense anyway I, th- I think it just ended up being worse than they had expected and they they had better alternatives as far as fielding at third base and when you take into account their overall value Travis Shaw is was a better fielding third baseman than Vlad Jr. was and I think that's why they opted to flip the two and put Vlad at first and Shaw at third, as opposed to Shaw at first and Vlad at third. And I think that's 
I think that actually it was more in the interest of the team and not necessarily for for him in particular. Although it was made in particular to him some, I think it was more more in it was a bigger value to the team at least I mean since they were competing this year anyway. Yeah. To me he he's going to be fine, but yeah. Moving on from the from I guess the NL East, uh, AL East uh with the Red Sox and then the Blue Jays. Um there's another team in another East, another the other other uh, East division, the NL East. Steve Cohen officially the new owner of the Mets. The uh, I believe the sale closed. The deal was closed today for a rec. I believe it was an MLB record two point four billion, two point four seven five billion. I, I believe that's correct. I'm not exactly sure on the total d- terms, but I'm pretty sure that is the roughly the estimated number. That's oh my gosh. I mean that's a lot of money. And oh, he yeah. basically cleaned house today. He basically announced everyone is gone. It, it feels like he announced almost everyone is gone except for really just their manager. I mean, they, they – to me that makes sense. I mean, because it's like the Mets, they have too much talent to not be doing much. Yeah, I mean, they have been hit with injuries the last couple of years. I mean, obviously Syndergaard going down was big. Stroman not playing at all this year. But I think they're – they still had a good amount of talent. I mean – when you look at their overall talent, I mean, I would say they had more talent than Miami did last year, and Miami actually made the playoffs. So, I mean, not that you judge yourself based on one team, but, I mean, I think it's... I think they definitely, with the talent that they had, they probably should have made the playoffs. Oh, no doubt. Because you can't tell me that on paper the Mets weren't... that the Marlins had... I mean, that's a credit to Don Mattingly, what he did. But you can't tell me at all that the Mets didn't have more talent, even with these injuries, than the than the Marlins. Because you've got, no matter what, to me, even if he doesn't win Cy Young this year, still the best pitcher in baseball. You not like I don't even think it's close. You've got back-to-back Cy Youngs, potentially three, potentially a three-peat of Cy Youngs right now. You've got Pete Alonso, who struggled this year, it felt, but like he still hit fifty home, fifty-plus home runs last year, and he's a Great slugger. I mean, Dominic Smith went had a gr- very good year. Jeff McNeil's a great contact hitter. I mean, they had. I, I I just feel like they had too much talent not to be to be. It feels like they were bad. Yeah, and I I mean even they had. I mean they brought up some of their top prospects too. I mean they brought up Andres Jimenez to play short. Ended up actually overtaking Ahmed Rosario a little bit, which was actually pretty surprising, but. I mean, they're about the same offensively. Jimenez is better defensively. Um, I mean, I think they they tried to evaluate their future and at the same time try to compete. And in some ways it worked out, but in other ways it didn't. Yeah. yeah so, yeah, Robinson Cano was actually really good this year. Um, he, he had an 896 OPS. Uh, Pete Alonso had an 817. So he was actually better than I thought, but he, he it felt like at the beginning of the year he struggled. Wilson Ramos was pretty terrible um Ahmed Rosario was eh, he didn't uh, his OPS was 643 uh JD Davis was all right 761 OPS Jeff McNeil 836 OPS with 383 on base Brandon Nimmo uh 888 OPS uh Michael Conforto 927 OPS so really uh, and then what we talked about uh Dominic Smith he really I felt like Dominic Smith broke out with the night, not almost a thousand OPS. He was outstanding this year. To me, it just feels like 
this team had more talent, too much talent to be as bad as they were, and they were. To me, it, this was an unexcusable failure to make the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I think it's. It was a shortened season, so you do have to take into account that players weren't necessarily ready for, for um, playing as many games as they were, considering Fair. it was a shortened spring training. But at the same time, they did have a lot of talent on that team. And even with the injuries that they sustained, I mean, I, I think they still, they still had enough t- uh, talent to at least make the playoffs. Or at least not loot, make the playoffs before, at least be better than the Marlins. And that, again, I want to give the credit to the Marlins. They were really, they had the wor- most crazy situation possible. I don't even, I can't even remember how many roster moves they made. Up, I believe they made an upward of 100 roster Probably, moves. Probably, yeah. Considering they had so many players, or a lot of players, got the virus at one point. They basically had to claim a ton of guys off waivers just to make a roster. And, I mean, that's, I mean, that's a, it, it is a big credit to them that they were actually able to to do as well as they did with everything else going on for them. And, I mean, even if the Mets didn't do as good as the Marlins, if they, they could have at least still made the playoffs as either the 7 or 8 seed. And I think that still would have been relatively acceptable, considering they still would have made the playoffs. So, I, at least more acceptable than it is now. And uh, Brody Van Wagenen, who was their... Uh, their GM, I mean, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't really get too too long to prove that he could be a GM, considering he was an agent previously. He didn't, he's not necessarily, he he has some expertise in that, but he doesn't necessarily know. He he hasn't gone through the ranks and knows everything about that. So I think maybe Cohen thinks he's not necessarily the right person to lead them into the future. He did bring Sandy Alderson back, who used to be their GM. And I, I think that's actually a really good I think that's a really good idea to bring Alderson back to at least help set the rest of the front office up for the future. Yeah. And the Marlins, okay, almost two hundred roster moves, so I was well off. But yeah, I think it's an interesting idea, but to me if you're the new owner, I, th- I, I don't I can't blame him for wanting to have a full a clean slate, new start, fresh start, because I mean I believe Brody Van Wagenen had some interesting comments earlier this year that might have maybe Cohen had some pressure on him to once he bought the team to get rid of him because of some things he might have said about Ryan Manfred because even though he, I would personally say he wasn't too wrong, but to me it's just it makes sense because he wants to, maybe he wants a fresh start with a new like he wants to build the front office in a way he sees fit or people he personally agrees with him i guess i get it and now he's i believe he is like the richest owner in baseball so he can basically do whatever he wants i I don't know what he's gonna be able to do financially i'm not exactly sure on how buying a whole selling a team and how how that works financially with what you're allowed to do with money but i mean i a lot of teams around the league are probably going to try to cut money this offseason. We've already seen seen teams start to do that. And I could almost see the Mets doing the opposite of that and trying to take on more salary in order to get better guys. I mean, I can see them paying for at least a couple free agents, who, I mean, with good money, I mean, to try to turn this team around and get them to that next level. Yeah, there are people who actually think that 
Uh, there are people who thought the Mets might actually look into trade for a guy like Francisco Lindor. I don't know what they'd have to give up. They, I don't know much too much. Again, I don't know too much about that farm system. Is they would probably have to give up Andres Jimenez, who's yeah. the, he's a shortstop prospect, and he actually that's one of the guys they brought up this year who did good. Actually, ended up overtaking Ahmed Rosario at the, as the starting shortstop down the stretch, but. Maybe you maybe Rosario instead. I mean, you would need to give a shortstop back. You're not gonna, you're not gonna keep all three of Lindor, Rosario, and Jimenez, and you you would obviously need more than just that anyway. Yeah, in March and March ninth, twenty twenty. Well, basically before everything went to what it did now. I mean, the Mets, the Mets were ranked pretty poorly. Uh. They were ranked 20th best prospects, the 20th best uh, farm system in baseball. Only teams below were the Rangers, Yankees, Cubs, Reds, Red Sox, Angels, Rockies, Astros, Nationals, and Brewers. So to me, I don't know what they'd have to give up. They'd have to, it seems like they'd have to give up a lot. But especially when you're getting Lindor, who's an outstanding player, one of the best players in baseball, one of the best shortstops in baseball. And um, I think you would ha- you would. You wouldn't have to give up as much as as you would have if you had traded for him before this season, though. Especially considering Lindor only has one year left before free agency. Uh, I mean, in history, I mean, players who are one year from free agency don't they don't have as much value because the teams see them as a rental. And I mean, obviously, unless it's someone like Mookie Betts, who the team is certain that they can sign an extension with. Oh, yeah. or, or in Mookie Betts's case, that he has enough talent that he can still get a ton of talent back. But yeah, I mean, I I think it's the Mets would have to give up a lot, even with Lindor only having one year left, and they, they would probably try to sign him. To they would. I think they would resign resign him because of the fact they've got a new owner who's got absolute stacks of money. So yeah, I think it's an interesting idea for the Mets. I there's some things they might do, maybe Springer. Or other thoughts. I don't know who they're going to sign, but uh, for but we'll be back. We're going to have a lot more to come for you here on On Deck Circle on KCU eighty point one FM. Don't go anywhere. Stay tuned. Can I get a hot take for KCU bumper? KCU eighty eight point one FM, Columbia, Missouri. Tune in to High and Tight with me and my co-host, Logan Perone, as we catch you up on the latest signings, trades, news, scores, and highlights from around America's pastime. Every Sunday at 11 a.m. on the 88.1 FM stream and our website, kcu.fm on the blue box. Tune in to one of these nights on KCU 88.1 FM. Join host Garrett Jones to talk the weirdest and wackiest in all four professional sports. I'm on from Sunday nights from 5 to 6 on KCU 88.1 FM. And if you ever miss a show, catch it wherever you enjoy podcasts. It's one of these nights on KCU 88.1 FM. Well, I don't think smoking is grown up at all. 
because it's very dangerous. Smoking does dreadful things to your lungs and is very bad for your heart. Well, I know I don't have one, but humans do, and I think we should set a good example. Well done, R2. Oh, hello. You know smoking is bad for your health, and it isn't grown up at all. So please, don't smoke. R2, do you really think I don't have a heart? Hi, I'm Curtis, and I'm so glad that I've got my own, you know? So glad that I can see. I've got a natural high. The man can't put no thing on me. And he can't put no thing on you either. Keep your nose clean. Don't be no junkie. Remember, Freddy's dead. KCOU would like to shout out East Side Tavern. It's the bar that's bizarre. Downtown Columbia's best karaoke comedy club. With a huge selection of drinks and activities and themed nights every week, East Side is a solid place to hang out. Design with a student voice in mind. KCOU FM. I think Kid A is probably their best single album. Uh, my favorite individual song is Life in a Glass House, the perfect uh, mixture of harmony and chaos. Ken Bone, Radio Man, KCOU. Hello, hello, and hello, and welcome back to more On Deck Circle here on KCU 88.1 FM. As always, I'm Adam Rosen, across from Michael Levitt. So we just wrapped up some talk about some, I guess, some front office and bench co- and coaching. So we've got some MVP award uh, awards in general that have been finalized. The uh, the position, the players, or finalists. Wow, I can't speak. The finalists have been announced. So. Let's run through those. So NL or AL MVP, not surprising here. It's Abreu, Lemayhu, and Jose Ramirez. NL uh, AL Rookie of the Year. You got Christian Javier, Kyle Lewis, and Luis Robert. Uh, AL Manager of the Year: Kevin Cash, Charlie Montoyo, and poor Rick Renteria. That poor man. Rip. Uh, I feel bad. He, he, and then you have AL Cy Young. You've got Shane Bieber and um, 
we'll mention the other two, Kenta Maeda and Hinjin Ryu. Uh, and then NL rookie, NL manager of the year, Don Mattingly, David Ross, and Jace Tingler, Mizzou alum. NL rookie of the year, Alec Bohm, Jake Cronenworth, and Devin Williams. And NL MVP, I have something to say about this one. Freddie Freeman, Manny Machado, and Mookie Betts. And I'm going to say two of those are kind of surprising. I, I, I think agree, yeah. most people expected Tatis to be up there just because of every, all those narratives he had and what he did. Look, Machado had a more, I, I would say Machado was more consistent, more like much more consistent than uh, what, what Tatis was because Tatis kind of fell off a lot or a little bit. Actually, it felt like a lot after uh, his ridiculous uh, year in August. But I still think with what what Tatis brought, I feel like he would have should. I thought he would have been the guy there over him. And Mookie was outstanding. We know that. And remember, this is a regular season award. The voting ends is done. All voting takes place and ends literally like the day of after after the regular season ends, and all of it is before the postseason. No postseason is taken into account. To me. I'm quite shocked that Mookie Betts is there. I thought another outfielder would have been there. And I thought it would have been Juan Soto. And we know I would agree, yeah. Juan Soto, sure. Did he only play how many games did he play? He played forty seven games. Okay. In those forty seven games are hundred and ninety six plate appearances and hundred and fifty four at bats. Yes, I'm serious. Thirty he had forty one walks. He got on base four ninety his OBP was four ninety. He almost got on. He got on base basically half of the time he stepped out of the plate. You could just, so ba- literally he walked up to the plate and you could say half the time he's it's either he's going to get out or he's going to be on base somehow. Almost half, basically half the time, his slugging was six ninety five. His OPS plus was two twelve. Uh, he, I believe, he actually led in uh, average. And he qualified. I believe he was a qualifier. I don't understand why he wasn't an MVP. He was I silver don't slugger. Know either. He should have been finalist. I we'll have to find out where he finished an MVP award voting. We don't. I don't know when the ballots officially, like the ballot, the voting counts are released. But to me, I don't understand how you forget. You you don't include. I don't care how many games he played. Juan Soto should have been a should have been a finalist. And he could have easily won. And I be, I'm not even kidding. Before he tested positive for COVID, I thought he would be a. I thought he was going to win an MVP. And he didn't. He's not even going to be a fine, top three. It, it to me, it just makes no sense. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I don't understand why Soto wasn't in there either. I think he, he proved that he did belong. I mean, he, it wasn't really his anything he can control as to why he missed time anyway. I mean, he had coronavirus. I mean, that's not... It's not his fault. Right. I mean, well... Well, it could have been, but... It, like, it could it, have been, depending on how we got it. But, but either way. Either, yeah, I mean, it's still... It's still not... That shouldn't... That shouldn't affect how... Yeah, in a shortened season, it helps if you play the full season. But I, he still played over three quarters of the games. And I... I it's it's still or actually he played about three quarters, but it's not 
That's I, I almost think that's sort of the cutoff as to when you're not when you've played too little. Is if you played three quarters of the amount of games, then you're not. You it's not a large enough sample size. Obviously, it's a shortened season, so it's not a big sample size anyway. But I think Soto definitely deserved to be in there. And yeah, he might not have won over Freeman, but he at least deserved to be a finalist. I I just don't understand it. I I mean. His WRC plus was one was two hundred, and that's a weighted runs created plus. It's an advanced stat. I believe that is actually. It would be the since Barry Bonds in two thousand four two. That is the highest ever since that year. Since Barry Bonds did that, and obviously Bonds had more plate appearances, and we all know Barry Bonds got walked like a trillion times, but. No, there's no. I don't understand why Juan Soto's not there. I mean, he was clear cut. I think purely, if he had played a full season, I think he would have easily been MVP. I think he would have, and and this trajectory, he would have been the best play. He would have been clearly far and away the best. But there's other rewards too. So we have NL Cy Young. It was uh, Yu Darvish, Trevor Bauer, and Jacob Degrom. And to me, that's not shocking. I, that was what I expected for the three. So, to me, MVP for the NL, I, it's going to go to, um, of these guys, Freddie Freeman. Freddie Freeman was fantastic this year. Uh, he led, he had 22 doubles this year, led major, all MLB, actually. 1102 OPS. This is finally his first time actually ending higher than fourth in the uh, MVP. He deserves this. He's Undoubtedly, an incre- the best first baseman in baseball to me, and I this is deserved. I think he deserves it. AL MVP. I'm sticking with the guy I said late in August. I am sticking with Jose Abreu as the MVP. I I said it in August, well before anyone was. I think I was the first on this hype train. I I, I want to claim that I was the first one to be on that hype train for Jose Abreu. So ha. But no, I think it's I think he's the MVP. Everyone else, all these guys deserve it. Cy Young, for an American League Cy Young, Bieber. Uh, yeah, I'm not even going to argue that one. We all know that. Um, NNL. That's a tough one. That's a really tough one. Because, oh, that's, oh, gosh, that's really difficult. Because Trevor Bauer was outstanding. And so was you, Darvish. Oy. Well, I'm, I, I might have to come back to that. I and would I, go with Darvish. But, I, I mean, I think he, had more, he added more value to the Cubs. Uh, I mean, Cubs being a playoff team, yeah, that, that doesn't really matter. But as far as the rest of the pitchers on the Cubs, he was like the one thing in their rotation that was constant throughout the whole year. For them, I mean, that was constantly good and just constantly cons- dominant. I yeah, mean. and yeah, Bauer was the same way. But it, it, the Reds, the Reds weren't necessarily their, the rest of their pitching staff wasn't, especially their bullpen wasn't as bad as the Cubs was. The, yeah, and I think Bauer was. I think Bauer might have. I think they both had the incredible years, and I think their stats are quite comparable, honestly. But to me. You're, I agree with you. Bauer, Darvish, I know this is more just purely stats and it shouldn't be about pitching wins or just wins in general. But with Darvish, Darvish, to me, I think Darvish was, I mean, okay, Hendricks was solid, good this year. 
Uh, other Cubs were a pretty solid pitching staff, at least rotationally. But the the Red Bauer Bauer was the best pitcher on the Reds. But I don't. I, I think they already had so many other great pitchers. It's not like he added as much as Dar. He didn't do as much as Dar. Like I agree, he didn't do as much as Darvish did this year in terms of what he added to that Cubs team. Without Darvish, I don't think the Cubs are a playoff team. Without Bauer, maybe not. But I think they'd be better than the Cubs. I would agree. Yeah. And then I'm going to go Devin Williams for NL Rookie of the Year. AL Rookie of the Year is going to be Kyle Lewis because Kyle Lewis was pretty great all, almost all year. Luis Robert was wildly inconsistent after, at the end of the season. Manager of the Year. Uh, NL, I think it's going to be Don Mattingly because Don Mattingly, what, we talk, I talked about it, 200, over two, almost 200 roster moves. He was on, I mean, what he had to deal with, that, what, that situation was impossible, and he figured it out. And uh, I, I think manager of the year, I think it deserves to be Kevin Cash. But for some reason, I just can't get the idea of it not being of it being Ricky Renteria out of my head. Because Renteria took a White Sox team that didn't have as high of expectations to the, and they took him to the playoffs. And we all know a lot of Sox fans did not like Renteria, what he did in game managing, but he got them to the playoffs, which was, I, I don't think was expected of them. And, um, Sometimes when you think about ex- expectations, though, to me, you sh- if you just because you had a low, for me, I, I don't know. It's it's that's an interesting one, but yeah, I would. Yeah, that that's my thought. Yeah. Um. So for for AL MVP, I would give it to Jose Ramirez. I know I said I said previously I would give it to Lemayhew, but Ramirez was. He was really good for that set for that last month of the season, and he, yeah, Abreu might deserve it, but I think Ramirez, especially bringing Cleveland back from, I mean, to be as good the team as a whole as good as they were, I think that's he was sort of the main re, one of the main reasons that they got that they were ended up being as good as they were, yeah. and. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, he it felt like he carried them to where the at to, uh, he helped carry them back along with Bieber. Yeah, I mean the two of them together. I mean obviously yeah, Lindor was in there too, but I mean I it's sort of Ramirez was the main. Lindor was performing the whole way. Ramirez had a down year for the first part, at, at least a little bit, and then rebounded for the last month. And I think him rebounding had an effect on the whole team that. Maybe maybe Abreu had sort of a similar effect, but he didn't really have a down year. I just think that transformation from Ramirez, I think, just really helped the team overall. And then NL MVP, I would also go with Freeman. I think he, especially since we weren't really even can, thinking of the other two to be there. I mean, that's sort of the obvious choice. Um, obviously, Bieber for Cy Young. NL Cy Young, I would go Darvish. I just think he meant more. To the rotation, AL Rookie of the Year, I would go Kyle Lewis. I think, yeah, I think that's almost a toss, not a toss up, but I think it, that's cl- a close one between him and Robert. I think Lewis, they were both good defensively. Robert was obviously better defensively. I think Lewis just had he had an added game offensively that he. I think he broke out, and everyone was expecting Robert to be good. Lewis didn't have that high expectation, so he blew past his expectations a lot farther than Robert did. Yeah. 
I would agree with you. Robert was had high. Robert was like supposed to be a lock, and I I think he was outstanding through August, and then September came, and I believe he had an 0 for 30 stretch. He was horrible in September, like comparatively. But I don't think Lewis did too great in September. But, either, I, but I, he at least did better. He did better, and I mean, Luis Robert won the Gold Glove, which kind of shocked me actually. But uh, but um. But yeah, I agree with you on Lewis. Kyle Lewis. Kyle Lewis deserved this. He he was more consistent in my, in my opinion. And then for NL Rookie of the Year, that one I almost think is a toss-up between Jake Cronenworth and Devin Williams. I think Bohm would be the third-place finisher. Um, I would give it to Cronenworth just because... I mean, no one was really expecting either one of them to be too good. Yeah. And... But Cronenworth, I think, I think for a hitter, it's it's a lot harder to be as dom to be as good as he was, especially as a rookie, and especially relief pitchers are sort of fluky anyway, and there's sort of ups and downs in their careers as a whole. So I mean, Williams next year could have a horrible year, but I mean, hitters have to have more consistency than that, and I think Cronen Cronenworth showed that consistency. At least throughout this one season. Yeah, I agree with you. That, that's a fair pick. I mean, it's a toss-up, like you said. And then for AL Manager of the Year, Montoyo may deserve it. Renteria maybe, just because of the low expectations. for or the surpass, They surpass their expectations yeah. a lot higher. But I think Kevin Cash actually really does deserve it. Yeah, he, I agree with you. He did blow it in the World Series. This voting was done before the postseason. Well before, yeah. Yeah, and... The fact that he that Tampa Bay was the best team in the whole league, especially with as many pitching injuries as they had, they had at least ten to fifteen injuries on, on their pitching staff, and the fact that they were still able to somehow muddle through and continue to be the best team in the league, I think definitely showed his expertise. Yeah, um, I, I agree with you there. And on manager of the year, I would go with Mattingly. Ross, I think, was a surprise there. Yeah, I was not. Exp- I thought it would be Snitker or Roberts, really, even because to me, people are going to say Roberts had high expectation, had uh, was expected to do this well. To me, expectations are if you're get, at least with teams that have already have great expectations like that. Great book, by the way. Um, you you can't you can't fault the manager for having great having for doing for that. I mean, if a player, if a team has high expectations and the manager gets those, why, why are we, why should we fault? Why should we um, look down on them for it, for having a great roster? You still have to do well. But, yeah. yeah. But I, yeah, I would, I would think Snicker would des- deserved it a little more than Robert. Just because, yeah, he lost his ace. Y- yeah. Along with other, I mean, other pitchers. Along with a lot. Right. I mean, he had like um, nobody. Yeah. I mean, Acuna was hurt for a bit. Albies was hurt for a bit. I mean, they they went through a lot, and yeah, I mean, maybe Tingler, I would say Tingler deserves it too. I mean, manager of the year is always a little tough because there's multiple managers who deserve it, sometimes more than three even, but I mean, I think Mattingly definitely, considering how much they surpassed, I mean, they were supposed to be one of the worst teams in the league this year, and the fact that they, they finished as the second best team who didn't win their division in the NL. Yeah, I mean, San Diego was obviously higher, but they, I, I think Miami surpassed their expectations a lot higher than a lot by a lot more than San Diego did. Oh yeah, Miami expect. I think they had the best, the most. They, I think 
this might sound weird, but I think they had over when you look at where they were, what expect what's expected of them. I think Miami had the best season of any team in baseball, especially with in what terms they went of what through. they expect, yeah. what's expected of them, and yeah, even with agree. what they went through with. I mean, having twenty guys on, on their on their team get get the virus and eight then, billion. It felt like yeah. I mean, they they basically just had to. It was hard for them to even pull together a roster, yet they sim- still somehow did as well as they did. Yeah, I would agree with you there, and I think. I think most people would agree on that one. And what what's actually shocking to me is that I mean, not shocking because you know Mike Trout wasn't up there, but like that's not a hammer. That's not a thing against Trout. It's just more that these guys had their year and they deserved it. And Mike Trout's still the best player in baseball. If you don't think so, please stop. You're 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 kind of crazy. And yeah, and again, these these are votes that are count. All of them, all these votes are counted before. The sea before the postseason. These votes, yeah, these are. This is not based on postseason. If this was based on postseason, bets would win. Um, Randy Rosarina would be in there for <laughs> Randy Rosarina might win AL MVP if he were if this was before the if this was postseason. But he would definitely win AL Rookie of the Year. Not, I would uh, say. but or maybe absolutely. not win, but he would. Be oh, he would. I think, I think he would. But no, no doubt. Yeah, all these votes. These votes are all counted all before before that. So. That's the thing. All these ballots are count, filled out, counted before the postseason starts. So, yeah. But moving on, we've got some free agency. So free agency is – it has started. I don't expect anything big coming at all in a long time, in a while. But we'll get to that in a bit. For now, we're going to head to a quick break. Stay tuned for more, KC, for more on Deck Circle here on KCU 88.1 FM. Hi, I'm Will. And I'm Phil, and we play in Someone Still Loves You, Boris Yelton. And you're listening to KCOU Columbia. 88.1. A delicious power breakfast. Great way to start the day. I'm Brandon Anthony. And I'm Keegan Hartman. Make sure to tune in every Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. to listen to me. And me on our new show, Breakfast of Champions. Here on KCOU Sports, KCOU 88.1 FM. Look at me, busy as a bee. Where'd I get all this energy? Oh, man, mm, man. I don't sleep and I don't eat, but I've got the cleanest house on the street. Oh, man, mm, man. Get these hairs all out of my face. Get these bugs all out of my place. One more hit. No time to waste. Oh, man, mm, man. KCOU would like to remind you that Missouri Tiger football and basketball are brought to you by El Rancho. Catch every Mizzou football game and Mizzou men's basketball game on KCOU 88.1 FM and on KCOU.FM. While you are online, check out El Rancho's website at www.columbiamomexicanfood.com or visit them downtown at 1014 East Broadway. Thank you, El Rancho, for supporting KCOU Sports. this message. 
welcome back here on KCOU 88.1 FM. You're listening to On Deck Circle. And so free agency, Adam, is starting. It has started already, I believe. And haven't seen any big names sign yet. Um, I think it would still... It's still it's always fun to predict where free agents are going to go and then be all and then basically be completely incorrect, which is why I don't bet on anything, especially this because I'm going to be wrong. But it's a I fun agree. It is it is yeah. so it is all, all incredibly fun, especially when you're wrong about it because then you get to say, "Oh man, how could I not expect that? How could I have ex- how could I have, how could I not have seen that coming?" It's it's fun. I, I enjoy it. It's quite fun. But yeah, I I I'm quite intrigued to see this, but I feel like this is going to be even worse situate a situation even worse and crazier than a few years ago when Harper and Machado were the guys because this is an unforeseen circumstance and a lot of teams are not going to have as much money to pay or they're going to have a lot of trouble paying guys like Bauer Springer want to pay guys because of that. We don't know the fan situation about fans. We don't even have a vaccine yet. I don't even know if anyone there's thought talks about it. We don't know how the heck that's going to work. We don't know anything about it. So to me, it's hard to predict, but to me, I'm gonna the five big guys. To me, five big guys, the five biggest names, in no specific order: Springer, Romuto, Bauer, uh, Lemayhu, and Ozuna, Marcelo. Thank you. I'm blank. I blanked. So I, I think Bauer. I think to me, I think Springer. I think Ozuna, or no, I think Lemayhu stays. I don't think he leaves. Um. I've seen a lot of people think Springer's going to the the Mets or the White Sox, actually. That's an interesting thing. I, I honestly think he stays in Houston. I really do. Uh I think Bauer I, I do I think Real Muto's gonna either I, I think he'll probably stay as well. I really don't think we're actually gonna see a lot of players leave where they are, especially the big names. And I think Osuna, that's an interesting one. I I, I that I actually don't know. I I really struggle with the Ozuna one. I don't know where on earth he's gonna go. I think if he went anywhere, I could see the white. I could see the White Sox. I I truly could. I I could see him going. Yeah, I don't know. That's a really tough question because who knows? Because especially with money, and Bauer, and partly because we still don't know if the DH is gonna happen in the NL next year. That's true. And I, I think Bauer, I, this might be crazy. I think Bauer states too. I really honestly don't think these guys are going any, most of these guys, I don't think any of them are really going anywhere, most of them. And I'm waiting to be on freezing cold takes on Twitter for that one, but that that's my thought. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think Rumuto, I, I can see staying. I can also see, I can see Springer, honestly, I think if Rumuto leaves, I can see the Phillies bringing in someone else. Possibly Springer. I mean, they, they do have a need in center field. Um, as far as LeMahieu, I don't know that the Yankees would really sign him. Um, I mean, I, I, think, I think they might. I think it's more—they have enough pieces as it is, I think is more what it is. And, yeah, I mean— but they're the Yankees. I, I think. I think if they. I think if they're willing to pay up, I think he stays. And they are, because most likely, because they're the Yankees. Um, yeah. I mean, Bauer. Bauer, that, I think, is a little. I can see him staying in Cincinnati. I think that's the hardest one to predict. 
Yeah, I would agree. Because he's that's... kind of crazy at times. Like He's like traveling all over, posting sketchy, really ominous photos of him outside like every stadium ever. I can honestly, I can see, I can see the Giants being interested in him. Uh, I mean, yeah, they are rebuilding, but I think they sort of need a, they need a, um, they need someone to sort of make the, to make the rotation more, a reliable guy in the rotation. And yeah. I think Bauer would provide that. I mean, their only reliable guy right now was Johnny Cueto. And who know, who knows how reliable he really is at this stage in his career. But I can see the Giants definitely being interested in him. I think Bauer would end up going to whoever pays him the most. I don't know that, well, he, yeah. would be, I don't know that he would be willing to offer a discount to the Reds to stay there. And, I mean, with guys like that, it is, it's a little harder to predict because who, it, you don't know which teams are actually offering the most. Um, as far as Ozuna, I think that's, that's more the biggest question mark at this point. Yeah. Just because of the DH situation. I think if there's no DH, I can see a team like the Red Sox being interested in him. Even Springer, honestly. Um, I mean, just because the Red Sox will have an opening in their outfield with Jackie Bradley leaving. And they'll have a DH anyway, regardless, because it's the right. American League. Right, but you're, JD Mar- you're not going to move J.D. Martinez to the right, outfield. That's true. You, you would keep... Either Springer or Ozuna would play the outfield over Martinez. Or maybe Ozuna and Martinez switch off. I, I think Springer's a better fit there. But I think Ben Attendee's ability to play center field allows them to go after Ozuna if they so choose. And then on one last quick thing we've got. We've got Turner... Justin Turner, so we all know what happened there. We don't really need to go over what happened. He had COVID testing, tested positive, got removed, and then broke rules. So that finally ended up, that investigation, nothing really big happened. I mean, it was kind of nothing. I mean, he, didn't get to, he didn't get punished, which is kind of shocking, actually, but he didn't get punished at all. No suspensions, no fines. So kind of doesn't under – I just don't get that one at all, really. I feel like he should have gotten something. No matter what, but yeah, I, I think he definitely should have, and I think, I think the Dodgers organization almost should have too. Gotten a fine, at least. right? At least, and, yeah. And I get it. it's hard to really prevent. It. You can't really, ha- especially when he's got a viral disease like that. You can't just have like bodyguards, like just like standing in a as like a brick wall. But like, still, he's got to have self control. And look, all, all accounts by everybody, he's a great dude. But to me, he should have gotten something. But I mean, it. It's hard, especially that, with, yeah. yeah. I, I think it's it's maybe a little, tr- it's not, it doesn't make it that much trickier, but Turner is a free agent now. So I, I think that would almost make it more tricky as far as which teams are willing to sign him possibly. And yeah. or, or at least, I mean, like, at least come, like contact him knowing that he had it. Especially, um, yeah. And I mean, I think they would, teams would still have interest, but I think it would be, they would, I think they would be more cautious about it. Yeah, and to me, the situation is the fact that, uh, to me, what upsets me most about that, he didn't get punished, is we, we see what's happening in this country. There are almost a quarter million people who have died from this, no matter, I don't care their age, I don't care what you're going to say about their age, the mortality rate, whatever, that doesn't matter. There are over a quarter million, there are about a quarter million people who have died from this virus, and there's no excuse for him not to be punished, and... I don't care. I don't care what his survive. I don't care if he's gonna sur- was gonna survive. I don't care what his health. I don't care. There's no reason to break rules. 
He should have been he should have been punished. This is awful and sad, and it's risky and terrible. So with that, we are going to uh, end for this week, and we will be back next week to discuss presumably more free agent talk, um, considering it is the off season. But um, that will be all for this week. So tune in next week for more on deck circle on KCOU. FM. I'm Michael Levitt alongside Adam Rosen signing off. Drive home safely.